Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And as always, I am your host, Michael Sherlock. And all month long, we are talking about money matters or that money does matter. But regardless of that, I know I have a number of experts that are helping us understand how we can better control money so that it works more for us instead of us for them. And my guest today has a really interesting perspective of what he does and who he works with. I know this will be something that will resound with a lot of you. Plus, I think there's a lot of impressive things, but he, he doesn't think it's all impressive. But we'll see if you know what you think as long as, as we go along in terms of the process here. But Simon Brady is uh, someone who, when you hear him, you'll know he grew up in London. He studied business and finance before being transferred to New York to take on trading and senior management roles at a major Wall Street trading firm. And after more than 25 years of trading experience, during which times he saw a lot of behind the curtain things that maybe we might or might not want to know of how equity and currency markets operate, he eventually left the institutional trading world and became a fully qualified, certified financial planner and a personal finance professional. Now, here's really something that is interesting. I can't wait to ask him some questions about this. He has also worked for the United Nations in Manhattan as a financial advisor and EFT ETF specialist before going on to found his company today. Uh, and Anglia Advisors, I'm gonna have to make sure I'm saying that correctly, which yep. is a fee-for-service only advisory firm. And he specifically works with younger individuals, couples, families, foreign nationals, but really people that are going through situations that we all do, you know, those little things called life that get in the way and probably can mess us up if we don't have somebody in our corner. And I'm glad, Simon, that I said it correctly. So Simon, thank you for joining us today. It's so nice to have you. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I almost said Angela, but I'm like, nope, it's Anglia. So I've got, <laughs> I've got it at the last I, second. If I was to do it all again, I might not use that name because a lot of people do uh, do that soft G or whatever. But um, uh, all the uh, all the cool names were taken when I was uh, choosing the name of the company, and Anglia is um, is Latin for England. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I kind of like the way the two A's work together. But, uh, yes. but uh, no, you got you got it you got it perfectly right. Well, plus it's always good to have a business name that starts with a letter A, as we know. <laughs> In those days, in those days when we used to have the yellow pages long, long ago. <laughs> exactly. Well, Simon, I hit some of the highlights of your bio, which is very impressive, but tell us a little bit more in your own words about you and your business and how you help your clients to shock their potential. So I, uh, as you, as you uh, kindly mentioned, uh, it's a fee for service, um, personal finance consultancy. So it's financial planning. Um, in the realm of personal finance. So it's a bit more than simply um, investment advice, which is a, obviously a big portion of what I do. 
But I'm going to hit on a number of other things beyond that. I'm going to hit on debt management. I'm going to hit on estate planning, um, insurance, college planning, if there's children involved, um, particularly with one of the groups I work with is um, recently divorced people. Mm -hmm. uh, and everything is in motion there. You know, there's usually a real estate, insurance, investments, estate planning, everything. So um, it is a very, very holistic service that I offer. Um, and working with the groups that you mentioned, which is younger professionals and sort of very broadly categorized as say early 40s and younger, um, is a group that is generally not particularly sought after by the financial services industry mm -hmm. um, because they don't tend to have the assets upon which other financial advisors monetize their business. Mm -hmm. um, far better for them is a pre-retiree or a recent retiree who has built up a big bunch of assets that the, man the um, advisor can manage for a hefty fee. So the way I get compensated is is uh really determines my ability to work with particular groups or not so i get um compensated on a fee only basis so it's almost like project work mm -hmm. i'll sit down with the client we'll figure out what they want to address uh and i will charge on an hourly basis that gives the client a good degree of control over how much they spend how much planning mm -hmm. they need um that we're focused on the areas with which they need help. Um, and um, it also means that I can monetize, for instance, estate planning advice mm -hmm. um, because it becomes part of the hourly fee. Whereas your typical financial advisor who's working on commissions um, and uh, is not really, can't monetize estate planning, right? Unless he's a lawyer and can write a will. So right. why is he going to waste an hour talking to you about your estate planning if he can't get any money out of it. So he's not going to. Uh, debt management is another thing. Why would a financial advisor talk to you about student loan debt um, mm -hmm. if, he's, if he's paid on commission? Because there's no commission in working with you on your debt. Right. Um, so the compensation structure allows me to talk about um, a wide breadth of uh, personal finance, personal finance issues. Um, and I've chosen these demographics because I felt they were relatively underserved, including the foreign national community here, of which I was uh, and still am a part. Um, and the, as I just alluded to before, the recent divorce or recently widowed um, people who can suddenly be thrust in a situation where they can be absolutely overwhelmed at a time of their life when they're perhaps least able to handle it. And, you know, um, so many things that you touch on there really strike me as, as important markers. You know, number one, you are absolutely right. These markets are not highly sought after because typically they don't have the kind of uh, investment portfolio or, or income uh, requirements that make them an attractive commission-based client. Um, but there's such a need. And as you were talking, I was remembering back to when I was newly divorced uh, and I, you know, it was in my late twenties and, you know, it was a tumultuous divorce and there was debt on both sides and, you know, so many um, 
worries about, you know, the, you know, our son and his future in terms of, you know, what do you, who's, how is he going to pay for college? All those things that are all mixed up. And I remember I had a friend of mine who was a financial planner and I said, can I have a meeting with you? Because I just need to ask some questions because I didn't even know where to start. And he was a lovely person and a good friend. But as we sat down, I knew he was disappointed by my lack of, you know, it was, it was not a terribly impressive salary at the time. And I didn't have any savings other than, you know, a few thousand dollars in my 401k and we, you know, and I had debt and, and his response to me was basically come back and see me when you don't have any debt. And I remember walking out of the office and I was kind of mortified and I was a little embarrassed. And I thought, well, that's not helpful to me at all because I do want to have, I do want to ask questions about 20 years from now. And yes, I know I need to get rid of the debt, but how, you know, how do I even start? So do you find that by reaching this, this demographic that you are, you know, really, it must feed your soul you know, to be able to reach people who need this, but don't always have access to things like this. It is. It, it, it's not just um, a marketing gimmick to go after these um, these, demogra- these underserved demographics. It actually is uh, very, very rewarding to do, especially when contrasted with what I did before for 20 years on Wall Street, which was all institutional trading, um, and uh, we were, you know, shifting enormous amounts of money from one investment bank to another and getting paid loads of money to do it and screaming and shouting, not really helping anyone except perhaps the trader involved to make his annual bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now uh, there is definitely the possibility, especially in these cases, for instance, of divorce or a foreign national who just got here and has no idea how to navigate the system here um you can make a you know a a very significant difference in in their lives and i'd be lying if i said i didn't get uh i didn't get enjoyment out of that yeah and you know i think that also um the fact that you don't work on commission i mean there's nothing wrong with it i mean you know there's 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 a place for that but especially when you have somebody who's maybe more, more vulnerable to know that you're not working on commission must maybe ease ease the dialogue a little bit for them as well, make them less hesitant, maybe more open to what it really means and what they can achieve through financial planning with someone like you. Yes. I think that's, that's very important point. Uh, It sounds like you, you, you went through it yourself. And if you are in a, for instance, in a, in a relatively uh, recent divorce situation, you know, more than likely you're going to be selling a, property, renting a property, there's a bunch of money has landed in your account that you don't know what to do with. You've got to change your beneficiaries on everything. If there's children involved, there's an, um, and uh, it's, it really can be, uh, can be overwhelming. And you are really red meat to these predatory commission-based advisors who, who can move in at this point, um, give a very uh, charismatic, charming pitch. Uh, but the fact is there's lump of money available for them to, to tear into. Um, and I'd say people in that situation are very vulnerable. The same thing goes for a foreign national who's arrived here 
Um, he has no way of knowing, doesn't even know what a 401k is or an IRA yeah. or anything. Uh, they're very vulnerable to being picked off by advisors who frankly are working for their own interests rather than the client. So um, the fact that I have a legal obligation to work in the client's best interest, it is a fiduciary relationship that I'm forced to have by the structure of my firm, that I cannot take commissions from anyone, uh, any third party to promote, offer, sell their product. Um, if I'm making a recommendation to a client, it has to, by law, be in what I consider to be their best interest. And I think if I was in the client situation and was able to see that contrast between the two different types of advisors available, I think I would quite strongly veer towards the, uh, the fiduciary one. You know, I had never really thought about uh, foreign national, you know, and, and what they're facing when they come, other than, you know, not really knowing what the 401k is, what, what other kinds of challenges does a foreign national who just arrives here, you know, face on a financial basis? I mean, I'm assuming paying, you know, if they get to New York, they've got New York taxes, you know, those types of things as well. But what, what other things I'd love to, to just know a little bit more about that, that unique group. Tax is certainly an issue, and I, I'm again, I'm a CFP. I'm not a CPA, so I am. I, there's a there's a line I can't cross when it comes to giving tax advice, but I can talk about a tax landscape. And obviously, if you're moving here in September from London, your your tax return that year is going to be um, partly U.S. based, partly U.K. based, and it's going to be a relatively relatively complicated return. Um, but it goes beyond tax. Um, one of the big problems that the uh, foreign nationals initially hit when they come here is credit. Oh, yeah. So they uh, go to a landlord and they say, you know, I want to take this, this really nice apartment that I like. And the landlord says, well, let me see, you know, three years of tax returns and let me see your income history. And you haven't got one. Um, <laughs> You're like, I just got here. Here's my plane I, ticket. I got here, right. Uh, <laughs> or here's my... Here's my, you know, British tax return. Uh, what, what am I going to do with that? Um, mm -hmm. And the same thing will occur when they apply for a credit card. Credit card company is going to say, well, you just got here. You're like a student who just graduated. You've only just come into the system. I don't care if you had a nice hefty limit on your card back in Belgium. Uh, we don't care. So they are sort of almost forced to start again when it comes to credit. Um, yeah. That's one thing. There's obviously there's taxes another. Um, but there are actual rules and laws that tend to get stacked against them uh, when it certainly when it comes to estate planning. There are completely different laws about estate planning when it, as it relates to many foreign nationals as it does to an American. Um, we all have this things stand at the moment sort of 11 and a half million dollar exemption from estate taxes federal estate taxes um depending on their situation a foreign national could have as little as sixty thousand dollar exemption meaning cool. if they have a million dollars uh and they die their estate could face 40 percent estate taxes on nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars which uh, nine hundred and forty thousand dollars um which an American would not. American would have yeah. to get up to dying being worth 11 million before. So there are those issues and that, that is going to play into, well, should I bring my money over from the foreign country to here? Well, if you do, it starts getting counted towards that $60,000. Uh, 
But if you leave it at home, it doesn't. But then if you have assets overseas, you have to disclose them separately from your, the rest of the assets on your tax return. And if you get caught not doing that, the penalties are absolutely horrendous. So there's a lot of things that, um, that a foreign national will need to think about. Um, I mean, you alluded to a 401k. Well, what happens if they come over here for 15 years, put money into a 401k, but then retire back in their home country? What's the situation then? How does yeah. that work? Uh, what if they, what's their situation with social security? What if they put all money in social security here and then they retire overseas? Can they get that? There's a lot of, there's a lot of things. And when they get married, if they get married to an American, what happens then if they change from a visa to a green card or from a green card to citizenship? Um, and they, or they're two foreigners and they have a kid here, the kid is American. So now that, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot to think about. That is, I, I mean, as you're talking, I have some very good friends uh, that, uh, you know, one of them just uh, became, got his, became a citizen, U.S. citizen. He's from Greece originally. And, uh, I, you know, I, that's fascinating. I've never really thought to ask him about all those other hoops, but boy, there are a lot. That would be incredibly daunting. And unless you have a company that has brought you over and they are, you know, providing you with some of those access to some of those, you know, experts like you, which I, some may, some may not, that can be, I mean, you could really get seriously harmed financially by not, but by, by making one misstep that you might never, never even know about. It's very true. And, and, and you say it's daunting in some cases it's, it's not. I mean, I remember when I came here, uh, which was a long time ago, I didn't think about any of this stuff and it wasn't daunting because it's just, I had no idea what I didn't know. <laughs> um, now it so happened that the, the way my life panned out, I didn't run into any of these problems, but it could easily be that uh, without, without the foresight to, uh, to at least put some measures in place that can mitigate some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, what I talk to with foreign nationals is more an awareness raising um, consultation than it is, here's, here's all the solutions because mm -hmm. in a lot of cases there aren't solutions. You know, the estate planning law is the estate planning law. I'm not gonna change it, yep. but they need to know about it because of the Sort of knock-on effect of bringing the money over or what changes if they get married or if they leave or if they stay so it's more simply about if somebody's literally just got off the plane mm -hmm. um here's some things that you need to figure out over the next six months mm -hmm. um and i'd like to think that some people who did that um avoided some issues that might not arise for another five years yeah. Or might not ever arise, but the fact is, and if you know, you want to be prepared for any of them when you, um, you know, besides this, you know, like with foreign nationals, because of your own experience, you know, what prompted you, and, and we talked a little bit about it in your bio, but you know, what really prompted you to say, okay, I'm going to change kind of the course of my, my career here. And I'm going to start to work with this underserved group. What made you passionate about that? I'd love to tell you it was uh, a, um, a completely ethical uh, decision that I wanted to turn away from the, uh, <laughs> the evil of Wall Street and become this sort of loving. The fact is um, 2008 happened. 
um, the business model under which I was working at the time, which was derivatives trading, um, got severely damaged. Derivatives uh, was on the uh, the nastier end of what happened in 2008, and um, everybody in the trading environment on Wall Street uh, had a had a wake up call. Um, mm -hmm. By that stage, I was getting a little um, a little disillusioned with the shall we say, work-life balance of the job, which mm -hmm. didn't exist, basically. <laughs> um, and so that, coupled with the difficulties in the industry I was in, uh, prompted me and forced me, to some extent, to look elsewhere for what I wanted to do. And I had always enjoyed the personal finance side of things, particularly the investment side. And um, so I... Uh, went to NYU, who run a CFP, Certified Financial Planner course, uh, Preparation course, which took three years. Um, then you sit this awful exam, um, and I was fortunate enough to get past it. So you have, once you have the designation, that then sort of opens up more doors. Um, mm -hmm. As you mentioned, I worked for the UN for a while, which obviously got me um, familiar with a lot of the foreign national um, rules and regulations um but in the end in 2016 i decided i was uh i was best served by doing this under my own steam um as you can probably imagine the uh, united nations are relatively bureaucratic place things don't exactly move in a, a nimble fashion there um so to to get things exactly as I wanted, um, the only way to do it was to do it myself. So I set up my yeah. own firm in 2016. Yeah. Well, I, th I think there's, it's always interesting to me what prompts people to, especially to become entrepreneurs themselves, because there's always something, there's something that prompts it. And then there's usually, you know, there's a desire in there somewhere. And then there's something that's that last straw that says, all right, I've had enough. Yep. I'm going to go put up my own shingle. <laughs> There was definitely, you know, uh, I can't think of an exact, an exact uh, event, but there was definitely frustration with the fact that I could not um, put things into play or, without it going through an enormous amount of, um, of administration and bureaucracy. So the easiest way was to do it myself. I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and we will be right back. Imagine starting a long journey without a map, or even a clear idea of the obstacles ahead. That's exactly what it's like for entrepreneurs who start companies with a lot of passion, but without the financial expertise to grow and scale their businesses and create long-term wealth for their families. Find a financial advisor who can help you map a better journey. Wayne Titus shows you how in his book, The Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being. With the right advisor at your side, you'll have the freedom to focus on what really matters to you. Get the Entrepreneur's Guide to Financial Well-Being at Amazon.com and in the virtual bookstore on the Shock Your Potential app. And we have been talking with Simon Brady, and I think you're, I know you kind of uh, giggled at me when I said, you know, before we started taping how much I was impressed by your career, because I think it, you know, somebody listening today going, wow, you worked in the United Nations, that, that, that would show you things that, you know, many of us won't see, but to your point, bureaucracy is bureaucracy <laughs> and uh, it can happen in school systems and it can happen at the UN 
And if that prompted you to go on your own journey, it sounds like you are working very well for your clients, which kind of leads me to my next question is, so the theme of this month is money matters or money matters, depending on how you, how you look at it. But, um, I've asked each of my guests to, you know, just give some of their top tips on how we can all, you know, what we can take away to make ourselves better, make our financial futures brighter, that we can take control over money in our lives a little bit better. So, you know, what are some of the the tips that you have for my listeners and viewers? I would say um, one of the biggest things, and this is partly due to the demographic with whom I work, um, is that the earlier, the earlier you start, the easier you make life for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, did, I wrote a piece that was picked up on by Business Insider where I just went through this as a mathematical exercise whereby I said, if you, how much money do you have to save each month to end up with a million dollars on your 65th birthday? And this is not, you know, uh, saying that a million dollars is appropriate for a 60, whatever it may be. But how much, just mathematically, how much do you have to put away a month um, for that? And at different starting points. So I can't remember the exact numbers. I don't have the article in front of me. But if you start doing that when you're 20 years old, it's mm-hmm. like $240 a month. Mm-hmm. If you start doing it when you're 30 years old, it's like $650 a month. If you start doing it when you're 35, it goes up to over 1000 and obviously, by the time you get to 40, 45, these numbers become unmanageable. It's many mm-hmm. thousands per month. Um, and regardless of whether a million dollars is an appropriate amount enough for you, the point is made that um, what you do in your 20s towards getting yourself a secure retirement is actually so much more important than what you do in your 50s. Oh, yeah. um, because of the, uh, you know, the sort of long-term compounding effects of money. Um, and, you know, you get people who, a typical time for people to start suddenly focusing on this may be in their early 40s. You know, the kids, are, the kids, you're starting to think about college and you're starting to think, well, you know, I'm halfway through my working life. Maybe I should do something. And, and to be honest, by then, it's so hard to catch up. Yeah. Whereas if you can look at it at a time when retirement just seems like a completely uh, a concept that's completely alien, which is when you're in your 20s, put aside small amounts of money. It's really quite astonishing when you do the math behind it, uh, how much you can make your life easier. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel bad for my own kids and that, you know, I hammered into them, you know, I, you've got to put this much away, you've got to put this much away, but they both have sort of quite healthy IRA balances and, um, and it's going to work. And I've come across other people. And again, I don't really work with the older demographic, but um, fellow financial planners have told me of, you know, people who are 50 years old and saying, Look, I really need to start saving for retirement like oh my god really 50 we can't you can't take a high degree of risk with your investments because you don't have the runway to come back from it if it goes wrong um and you've only got a short amount of time um whereas if you're in your 20s uh and you can put even a small amount away 
you can be super aggressive uh, yeah. because it doesn't matter if the market crashes. Who cares? Because yeah. this is four-decade money. Um, so the difference between people who figure this out at the age of 25 versus people who figure out the age of 45 is, is, is night and day. So I would say start thinking about this or talk to someone, not a commission-based person, but talk to, talk to a professional about what are the best ways to get started when you're, when you're young. Mm -hmm. And if you have left it too long, don't try and do this on your own. Um, talk to talk to a professional about it, an, an objective fee-only professional. Yeah, I agree because it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It's just going to be a lot harder and it's going to take a lot more sacrifices. But if you talk to the right person, you find somebody to guide you, you at least won't feel like you are alone and it might not feel so hopeless. Yep, I think the... the there is a temptation if you if you do sort of sense that you're late to get throw your arms up and say you know I I, I can't do it um, yeah. and and then then that is potentially catastrophic obviously and then when you get smart at 55 and you go oh no I really shouldn't have thrown my hand up and gone on, and just gone on the, the well, exactly. all those yeah. world cruises now I really have to get going. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's just, just, it's just literally, it's a matter of making, making things easier for yourself at this early age. And I love it when, and I do get this, I, you know, a 24, 25 year old comes to me and says, look, I really want to, can you please help me get a plan together and everything else? I mean, it's, it's just so good because you know, that person's going to be fine. You know, it was, it was amazing. My uh, stepdaughter called my husband and I, this was about two years ago, I think maybe two, two and a half years ago. And she called and said, Hey, I, I'd really like some advice. And, you know, she got uh, out of college. She had a, a job already lined up a great company company that still has a pension. Um, and she wow. said, um, I have too much money in savings. What do I do with it? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, holding the phone back going, what? That's amazing. Like, <laughs> what? What a great place to be. I was not her. thinking that way at all. But, you know, she was like, you know, I want to make sure I'm looking at this long term. Do I buy a house? Do I invest more of it? Do I keep it liquid? And, and to have those kind of conversations with somebody and at that time in her mid 20s was just phenomenal. You know, that gave, gave me hope for, you know, humankind. <laughs> That's, 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 a, that's a great story. And I love stories like that. But again, just to get back to what we were talking about earlier um, and, 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 and your experience too, um, these, these, these conversations just can't be had in a, in a, in a, in a reasonable way with a commission-based advisor. I mean, he just can't, he or she just cannot crowbar your case into their business model. It just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... And they might have all the, they might be the most lovely people and have the best of intentions, but it's not going to put money on their, you know, on their commission rack. So it's not, it's not where their time and attention needs is going to be. Right. Their only solution to this is to get these people to buy like whole life policies or something, which is completely, completely <laughs> inappropriate or some kind of annuity. I mean, so um, that's exactly the, the, market I'd like to capture. And it also happens to be the market I enjoy most working with. I love it. Simon, this is great. We'll have all your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they feel like you might be their perfect financial match, what's the best way for them to reach you? 
Um, we're a little bit restricted as financial advisors on what we can do uh, using um, social media and stuff like that. So uh, the easiest way is simply to go to my website, which is angliaadvisors.com, uh, which I guess will be on the, uh, on the show notes. And there's a contact page on there. But there's also a lot of information about all these different demographics I've talked about, the different ways I can work with people, whether it's a quick um, two or three hour jumpstart session or whether it's working with them on an ongoing basis per hour. Uh, everything's on the website. Very good. And before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? <laughs> um, the best time to start planning financially is five years ago. The second best time is always now. So don't just, uh, <laughs> just think of it that way. Um, even if you can't get in a time machine, um, the next best time is now. I love it. Perfect advice. And, and, you know, one day we may have that time machine, so we'll keep an eye out for it. But until then, start now. Simon, thank you so much for your wisdom and your advice. It has been a pleasure having you on our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. Make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.